the Kansas basketball program is hit with a major NCAA violation with charges stemming from an FBI probe. And that's all we're going to say about that because that story not quite in range for what you want to hear. We will tell you about the story at the very bottom of the list of story that we're calling the almost irrelevant story this week. Story number 206 from the full listing posted, plus stories that are rounding out the top 15, 11 through 15, not quite in range. But we start off with the top 10 stories, the stories that you said were the most important, most conversational stories of the week from your response to our social media posts. And what are those stories? We'll start counting them down in just a moment here on The Wrap Show from This is a Conversation with me, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is a show for the week ending September 28th, 2019. And welcome to the show. My name, as already stated, Jay Cleveland Payne. This is the wrap-up show. We're wrapping up the week's worth of stories that you guys told us were the top ones per This Is A Conversation and our social media feeds. Very quickly, how this thing works, we have a website called thisisaconversation.com. You go there to see how you can find information on what we do every single day. But every single day, what we're actually doing is just posting links to various news links, news stories from news sources all over the world. And we do about every 50 minutes with a new link on our social media. Facebook and Twitter is where you can find us. And if you follow us on Facebook, which is This Is A Conversation, and Twitter, TH underscore conversation, as the stories come through your feed, when you're checking out the stuff, check us out, and you just react to the stories. Like them, love them, hate them, share them, respond to them. The more engagement a story gets, the higher the score gets. On Friday mornings, we take the scores from Facebook and Twitter, put them in a spreadsheet, weigh them out, do some averaging, do some factoring and whatnot, and get a raw score from top to bottom. The top number story we'll tell you about in the first segment in just a bit. The bottom story, number 206 this week, we'll talk about in segment two, which we call the almost relevant story of the week. Mostly it's usually a latest story, and that's what's going on here, but sometimes they're a bit more important than you think. Sometimes they really are fairly silly. In our third segment, we will go to what we call rounding out the top 15. That is going through stories number 11 through 15, stories that weren't quite in range for top 10, obviously, and why they may have been sort of important and where their stance was based on the importance of what you said this week. And then we're done. It works just like that. We will also have shout outs to people who showed us extra love in our social media feeds this week. Plus, we will spotlight another podcaster because podcasters showing podcasters love is a good thing. And we remind you that um, you help us out by sponsorships, helping out by visiting our sponsors and directly via Patreon if you like to. That's patreon.com slash this is the conversation or this is the conversation.com slash Patreon. Both ways work. So now let's get into the meat, the heart, the dealio, and start talking about the stories this week. Count them down from 10 to 1. These are the stories that you said your response gave us were the most important stories of the week. So as we said, if you're not keen on the stories we give you, you want more of other types of stories, then you need to respond by going to Facebook and Twitter, following us at This Is A Conversation and TH underscore Conversation, respectively. And as the stories come in your feed, make sure you are responding to them so that more of the stories you like get into the top 10. And the story in the 10 spot this week comes to us from Law and Crime, which is apparently another publication, another blog, another production, as it says, from Dan Abrams, who's all over the place from not being in charge of MSNBC and just doing all of his stuff. Uh, but that's not about him. This is about Law and Crime, his publication. And this story is about Alex Jones with a headline that goes like this. Alex Jones sues the Young Turks. They told the world I sent child porn to Sandy Hook parents. We posted this on Wednesday, September the 25th, and this is a few lines from the, I'll call it a blog, just for, for lack of better terms, the blog uh, called Law and Crime. InfoWars host Alex Jones filed a lawsuit on Wednesday in the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Texas, accusing the Young Turks, a progressive online news show, and Brianna Wu, a Massachusetts Democratic running for House of Representatives, of libeling the plaintiff. The defamation lawsuit focused on the false claims that Jones, quote, sent child porn to Sandy Hook parents, unquote. More quotes. Once uncovered, the FBI cleared Jones and his employer, and Jones was the identified target victim. Defendants instead told the world it was Jones who sent child porn to the victims of school shootings. Lawsuit said, more quotes, Jones publicly and through, through counsel continually requested corrections from the offendees. These defendants refuse. This was libel. The suit follows. 
As long crime reported before, lawyers representing families of the Sandy Hook mass shooting victims in the defamation suit accused Jones of sending electronic files containing child pornography as part of the discovery process. The plaintiff sued Jones for his years-long campaign of abuse and outrageous false statements in which Jones and the other defendants have developed, amplified, and perpetuated claims that the Sandy Hook massacre was staged and that 26 families who lost loved ones that day were paid actors who faked their relatives' deaths. That's a long quote from that end as well. So there's here's the irony of this all. Uh, Jones was sued on defamation for basically saying crazy things about the Sandy Hook parents. Meanwhile, Jones is suing some people for saying crazy things that he did or saying he did some crazy things, which apparently he didn't actually do, which is ironic because of all the crazy things he did. These are the things he didn't actually do. And now he is going to sue. You thought this was an important story. If you believe it is more important than a 10 spot, let me know. If you believe it, probably should have made it all. We can conversate on this one. Email me directly at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. We can discuss anything we have going on here inside of the podcast. And, of course, all links to all the stories we'll talk about are going to be online. So you can check them out and go deeper into the stories as you as you see fit. Look for the posting for this week's podcast. This is for the week ending September 28, 2019. The story listed as number nine this week has a bump in response. That means more people were responding to this story than the last story of 6.51%. Some of the more people were into this one than the last one. The story's headline is Ugly Scene Erupts After UFC Fight Ruled No Contest. USA Today is the source for this, and we posted this on Sunday, September 22nd. Here is a few lines from that story, as we said, from USA Today. Jeremy Stevens traveled to Mexico several weeks in advance so he could train at altitude at his own expense for his UFC on ESPN Plus 17 main event against Yar Rodriguez in Mexico City. It turned out to be a lot of effort for a 15-second fight. Rodriguez, with an open-fingered swipe that landed in Stevens' left eye in the first exchange of the featherweight matchup, Hit Stevens with that, I should say. After the full five minutes to recover elapsed, the bout was ruled in no contest, leading to an ugly scene in which bottles and debris were thrown into the octagon at Mexico City Arena, as angry mobs tend to do. I add that part. Quote, I apologize a great deal, Rodriguez said through an interpreter. We both trained very hard for this fight. Everyone spent a lot of money to come down and see us compete and support us. I feel very bad about this. Let's do this again. Ref Herb Dean did everything within his authority to let Stevens continue after Stevens took the eye rake. Dean repeatedly reminded Stevens that he could take the full five minutes allotted under the rules and make the cage side uh, doctors aware as well. Stevens admitted, he got me good, referring to Rodriguez poke, and his eye looked practically glued shut when the allotted time ran out, giving Dean no choice but to wave things off and call it no contest. So we never want a fight to end in a no contest. We never want a fight to never really start. We want to get some sort of resolution. We don't want bad decisions, but we want a decision. And this is one that's going to be a haunting thing for UFC for quite some time. It is a freak of nature. It's just a rarity thing that happened, but it's something they'll have to deal with on a publicity part and, of course, on a standing part. And these two guys need to figure out what's going on. And I'm sure who gets paid more is an issue as well. We'll probably see this one be reset and redone in the next upcoming months, especially since the crowd basically told you how people felt about the ending of this one. A quick no-pay plug for Smart News, the app that I use to garner about, I'll say, 70 to 80% of my of my news stories throughout the day on a normal week. And a quick plug, no-pay no plug to Lad Bible, who somehow became a pretty big source on my top news thing, even though this is one of the, one of the sources I'd say may be questionable. Most of these stories are more silly than serious. And this is one that is way, way out there. The story actually did come to a couple of different sources. It just so happened that this was a source we pulled it from when we posted it. And we posted it on Saturday, the 21st of September. Here's your headline. Woman triple size of her lips with 15 surgical procedures. As we said, Lad Bible is the source. 4.44% bump in response from the nine story. A woman has tripled the size of her lips with a whopping 15 lip procedures and says she's happier and more consent with her plumped up pout. 22-year-old Andrea Amilivo 
Evelia, butchered that, from Sofia in Bulgaria, says she dreamed of having fuller lips from a young age. Now she's an adult and she's happy to fork out the filters to achieve her goal. Andrea, who studies German philosophy at Sofia University, St. Kilmet Kursky, totally butchering these today, says she's visited dozens of clinics in her home city and pays around uh, 150 pounds or $168 per treatment. Lippy linguist Andrea said, that's their words, I like my lips now more than before and I feel very good and very happy with my new lips because according to me, with bigger lips, I look prettier and in Bulgaria, this is a fashion now. I have visited almost all clinics for aesthetic procedures in Sofia, and I put my lips almost in all kinds of lip filters. Yes, go deeper into the story. You'll have to go deeper into the story because it gets really, really weird. But you can also see the before and after. And you can see if her very, 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 very much fuller lips are makes her very, 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 very much more beautiful or not. We don't go for personal attacks and personal looks here, but this is one you have to take a look at and see whether this is a bit on the crazier side. Check it out at the website. Look for the link for the story at thisisconversation.com. The link's inside the post for this week's podcast, podcast ending September 28, 2019. And, of course, we can discuss it further by email, theconversationinbox at gmail.com. The safeness of vaping becoming a serious issue here in the United States. A lot of people reacting to it, as you would expect, on various parts of the uh, parts of the spectrum, including this headline, which tells you two people, two entities that are uh, reacting to this very seriously. Jewel is under criminal investigation by federal prosecutors. Tuesday, September 24th, the day we posted this one, a bump in response from the number eight story to the seven of 9.57%. We get this story from The Verge. In California, federal prosecutors have launched a criminal probe into Juul Labs, the immensely popular e-cigarette manufacturer, according to the Wall Street Journal. The focus of the probe is unclear, but the investigation is being led by the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Northern District of California, according to the journal. Juul has faced a number of legal challenges in the recent months as a government outrage throws, grows over hundreds of illnesses linked to e-cigarettes use, including several deaths. A number of federal authorities are already investigating Juul. The Federal Trade Commission and a few state attorney generals are focusing on the company's marking practices and whether they purposely sought to target minors. The Food and Drug Administration is also actively probing Juul, but little is known about the investigation. The U.S. Surgeon General declared vaping among minors an epidemic last year, and organizations like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have warned people to stop using e-cigarettes entirely as concerns over vape-induced Illnesses have grown. There's also a looming federal ban on flavored vaping products. Generally, early this month, President Donald Trump announced that his administration would seek to ban flavored vapes through the FDA, although the agency has yet to issue rulemaking for the ban. A quote from Trump, not only is it a problem overall, but very specifically with respect for children. We may very well have to do something very, very strong about it. Jewel did not immediately respond to The Verge for a comment. Uh, that was the whole entire vargle there, so there's not much to go deeper into it other than there's links to different uh, things inside of it. So if you want to check those out, go deeper into the links inside of this story. Go to our website, thisistheconversation.com. Click the link for this week's podcast, podcast ending September 28th, 2019, week of, and you can see more of this one. Of course, every single story is on that website link for this week's podcast. From the surprising findings of a smoking entity to a surprising finding that a person smoked and what it was, here's a headline. Number six, SI, Calvin Johnson smoked pot after his games instead of taking opioids. Inside Hook, we'll call that a blog too, is the source for this one. And we posted this one on Friday, September the 20th, 2019. So it lasted quite a bit. 6.31% bump in response from the number seven story. Here we go with some lines from this one. In a new Sports Illustrated piece, one of the top receivers in recent history revealed that he used to treat his aches and pains from playing NFL football with pot instead of pills. Calvin Johnson, who retired from NFL after playing nine seasons, told writer Michael Rosenberg that he would heal himself after every game by smoking marijuana. When I got into the league, there was opioid use. Johnson, who is now a medical marijuana business, said... You really could go into the training room and get what you wanted. I could get Vicodin. I could get Oxycontin. I was too available. 
I used Percocet and stuff like that, and I did not like the way it made me feel. I had my preferred choice medicine, cannabis. Johnson's revelation comes at an interesting time in the NFL's marijuana policy could be an issue in upcoming CBA negotiations within the NFLPA. The exchange for the players agreeing to an 18-game regular season or an expanded playoff field, many NFL owners might be willing to, quote, make concessions to the union on the commissioner's disciplinary authority and sports marijuana policy. This according to the Washington Post. Though he did not play nearly as long as many of the Hall of Fame players, Johnson has a decent shot at getting a bus in Canton thanks to his 2012 season in which he had 122 catches for an NFL record at 1,964 yards. Even if he doesn't get in, despite ranking first among retired players with 86.1 yards per game, Johnson won't regret hanging up his cleats at age 30. Another quote, I won't think about it at all. I was a beast during that time. I was hands down the best receiver in the game. I'm not going to argue with you, but I know I was. That's the full story on that one as well. If you want to go deeper into some links in that one, click the links for this week's podcast. But it's an interesting thing that he said. Basically, number one, he chose taking pot over pills to deal with pain. Of course, he's now in the business, so that's probably more one of the reasons why they actually talked to him. And, of course, he was a very interesting and charismatic player on the field when he was playing for Detroit Lions, and people wished he played a few more years. I know his quarterback wished he played a few more years to keep them consistent as well. The Storm Area 51 event was this week, and we have two stories in the top ten dealing with that. We decided they were two separate stories, so we're not adding them together. This is the first of those stories in the five spot. The original headline we posted was, Music Starts for Earthlings Around Area 51 Events in Nevada. And the updated headline was, About 75 People Gather at Area 51 Gate, Two People Detained. September the 20th is the day that we posted this one, Friday, September 20th. This gets a bump response from the sixth story of 5.48%. AP is a source. Here's a little bit of what happened that didn't really happen very much of it, but the updated version of it from the AP. About 75 people arrived early Friday at the gate of the once-secret Area 51 military base in Nevada, at the time appointed by an internet hoaxer to, quote, storm the facility and see space aliens, and at least two were detained by the sheriff's deputies. The Storm Area 51 invitation spawned festivals in the tiny Nevada towns of Rachel and Hico, nearest the military site, and more than two-hour drive from Las Vegas. Lincoln County Sheriff Kelly Lee estimated late Thursday that about 1,500 people were, had gathered at the festival sites. It said more than 150 people had also made the rugged trip several additional miles on bone-rattling dirt roads to get within selfies distance of the gates. The social press photographer said it wasn't merely clear if a woman who began ducking under a gate and a man who urinated nearby were arrested after a crowd gathered around 3 a.m. Friday. Lee scheduled a meeting, media briefing later Friday morning. Millions of people had responded to the June Internet post calling for people to run into the remote U.S. Air Force test site that has long been focused focus of US UFO conspiracy theories. The military responded with a stern warning that lethal force could be used if people entered the Nevada test and training range, and local and state officials said arrests would be made if people tried. It's public land, the sheriff said. They're allowed to go to the gate as long as they don't cross the boundary. Now, this will play a part into the upcoming story uh, a few steps ahead on this Storm Area 51 thing. But as you can see, it didn't turn out to be the massive conspiracy unraveling that it happened. And shout out to my man, Red Dog McDaniel, who was actually somewhere near there. He went to Vegas for the big festival. I'm not sure if he actually went to the gate per se, but he, you know, because I live vicariously through him, had a chance to see some of the people looking to see some of the aliens up close and personal. And as his reports were, they were pretty much as you would expect. We bring down the tone for story number four. This story happens to be the number one rated Facebook story this week. It gets a bumper response from the number five story of 0.43%. So it's just a slight uptick. Here's your headline. Suzanne Wang dies. HGTV's House Hunters host was 56. Deadline.com is the source of the story. Friday, September 20th is the day we actually posted it. Here's some lines from this one and updated from the original posting. Suzanne Wang, best known for her nine-year run as host of HGTV's House Hunters, died Tuesday following a long battle with breast cancer. She was 56. 
Her partner, Jeff Rizan, shared news of her death Thursday on Facebook. For 13 years, she confronted cancer with courage, humor, determination, and optimism, Verzan said in the post. She was immensely encouraged by the love of her family, friends, and those who she had yet to meet. Verzan said he was by her side when she died Tuesday night at their Los Angeles home. You can read the entire post by clicking the link at our website for This Is Conversation and see the full post and the full tribute that he gave from the link in our our website. Go to thisisaconversation.com, click the link for this week's podcast, which is for the week ending September 28th, 2019. All the links to all the stories are there as well. If you want to send some extra tributes that we can maybe send our way, you can email to us or you can just discuss the story, or any story, by emailing us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. From CNBC, we get the story that's in the number three spot this week. Headline is, Oil Drone Attacks Damage Revealed at Saudi Amarco Cooties Oil Facility. But you say that three times fast. Friday, September the 20th, the day we posted that one, a bump in response of 11.64% from the number four story. A few lines from that story, as we said, from CNBC. Repair work is underway at two Saudi Aramco oil facilities after pre-dawn attacks on Saturday forced the kingdom to shut down half its total oil production. The strikes targeted Saudi Arabia's Abiquik and Karakas oil facilities, sparking concerns about global oil supply stability, which sent crude prices soaring by double digits. Abiquid located in the kingdom's oil-rich eastern province, is the world's largest oil processing facility and crude oil stabilization plant, say that one three times fast, with a processing capacity of more than 7 million barrels per day. Karas, which lies about 110 miles southwest of Abaquid, which I just stopped saying, has capacity to pump around 1.5 million uh, barrels per day. In a tour run by the state-owned oil company, reporters were shown the damage at Aramico's facilities and the rebuilding work taking place. A company executive conducting the tour told CNBC's Haley Gamble that 200 people were inside the Caracas facility when the sudden attack targeted four separate locations at production plants. Officials added that by the time the staff at the Curras facility had attempted to put the fire out from the first wave attacks, more strikes had targeted the plant. Read deeper, and you can read it without all my very bad grammar and pronunciation things, at the website, thisistheconversation.com, and click on the link for this week's podcast. Of course, it is for the week ending September 28th, 2019. The number two story this week comes from Task and Purpose. We'll call that another blog site. It deals with military-style stories, and this puts a serious note to the not-so-seriousness that turned into the seriousness that wasn't so serious. That was the Storm Area 51 event. Their headline is, DOD deletes tweet that jokes about blowing up millennials trying to storm Area 51. We posted on September the 21st. This is a bumper response from the three-story of 16.99%. Just a little bit from that quick posting. Sometimes a joke just doesn't work. For example, the Defense Visual Information Distribution Service tweeted and subsequently deleted a Gilbert Gottfried-esque misfire about the Storm Area 51 movement. On Friday, DVIDSHUB, much easier to say, tweeted a picture of a B-2 bomber on a flight line with a formation of airmen in front of it along with the caption, the last thing, hashtag millennials, will see if their attempt to hashtag Area 51 raid today. Yeah. Click the link and go deeper into that one if you want to go more into this one, because this one shouldn't have gone as far as it did, but it did. As we already said earlier, the Storm fifty one storm Area 51 event, it wasn't much of a storm, more of a, not even a dust-up, if you will. It was not much of a sprinkle, but it did turn to a big, pretty big party for Vegas, even if the actual event at the site turned out to be more of a freak show than it was supposed to be of a freak show. Okay. I really don't know how to get out of that one. So we're just going to move on to the story at the number one spot and get you the stats as we do every single week first before we give you the headline and the stats. First, it's the top Twitter story for the week. Second, it gets a bumper response from the number two story of 14.85%. So start off there. A bumper response from the number 10 story, that's Alex Jones actually suing the Young Turks, of 100.5%. 
And a bumper response from the almost irrelevant story this week, which is story number 206. We'll tell you what the story is later, but it's more relevant, more responsive, more people got into this one by 2,385%. That's 2,300% plus 85 on top of that. Here is your headline. Andre Emmett, former NBA player, is found shot and killed in Dallas. The source for this one is CNN. This is one that is... I would say I was surprised to see this one, but this is one that people responded to this week, and we posted on Monday, September 23rd, so it lasted quite some time for the entire stretch of our eight-ish days here when we count things down. Let's read some from the story from CNN. Former pro basketball player Andre Emmett, 37, was shot and killed early Monday morning in Dallas. Police have not disclosed the motive. After playing for four years at Texas Tech under head coach Bob Knight, Emmett was drafted in the second round of the 2004 NBA draft with the 35th pick overall. Emmett had brief stints with the Memphis Grizzlies and New Jersey Nets, and he more recently played professionally in the three-on-three league Big Three. Early Monday morning, Emmett was approached by two men as he sat in his car in front of his home in Dallas. Police said men produced a handgun, police said. An altercation followed, and Emmett was shot as he ran away, they said. Passerby found Emmett and called 911. He was pronounced dead at a hospital. You can read a bit more from the story here and see how it goes deeper by going to our website, thisisconversation.com. Click on the link for this week's podcast. And as we say every single week, this is a this is a story, this is a show, this is a script that is all provided by you. This is a story that you believe was the top conversational story of the week. Uh, we didn't get a lot of crazy Trump stuff. And trust me, we put as much as we could because it was crazy Trump stuff. We didn't get a lot of global stuff this week, I guess. I guess everyone was sort of... Um, washed over by last week with the U.N. Uh, General Assembly and then just Trump just more or less being Trump this week. This was a story that you put at the top of the list. And, of course, the 10 stories you put at the very top for conversation. As I said earlier, if you disagree with the stories here or thought other stories, other type of stories should make it in, then it's on you guys to make your voices heard. And it's a very simple process. Follow us on Facebook. This is a conversation. This is how you can find us on Facebook. Search for that. We're a blue, a little, we're a little blue dot with some speech bubbles in it. And make sure you set us as a default into your feed so that when you see our stuff, you see our stuff. You can follow us at the same search terms on uh, Instagram as well. Can't really vote on Instagram, though. It's not set for all the instant stuff to come through. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter if you're a Twitter person still. TH underscore conversation because this is the conversation is way too long. And as I said, every 50 minutes or so, we post a new story, a new link to something. And as you see it come through, if it's something that looks interesting to you or something that looks like you really, really hate it, give your response so we know what stories are people really reacting to. Like it, love it, hate it, share it, reply to it. Just engage with the post. The more engagements the post will see, the higher it goes in the score when we add things up. Coming up in just a minute, we'll tell you about this post that had very little engagement because it came out very early this morning. That's story number 206, the almost relevant story of the week. Plus, we'll do our shout-outs in mere moments here on The Wrap-Up Show with me, Jay Cliffin Payne, brought to you by ThisIsTheConversation.com. This is for the show for the week ending September 28th, 2019. This is The Conversation, the wrap-up show podcast. All the things we do around The Conversation Project is powered by you. And there are simple ways you can do to help keep things powered and literally keep power on. You can visit our sponsors. We'll talk about one of those sponsors in a moment. You can directly fund us by going to Patreon and becoming one of our Patreon sponsors. And next week in the first uh, first of the week, we will shout out all the Patreon sponsors in our shout out. So you'll hear your name put out there extra special for being one of our great patrons. And just go to either patreon.com slash this is a conversation or this is a conversation.com slash Patreon. See how I did that? And you can be a patron at whatever level you would like to. We appreciate all our patrons. We'll go deeper into that next week. This week, we'll talk about sponsors. If you click on, go to our website, or you subscribe to our newsletter, or you'll see links to various different sponsors, people that we get affiliate uh, cuts for you buying stuff. So you click the link, you buy their stuff. We get a little bit back. That's how we keep things going here. One of those sponsors that we love talking about is Cloud9 Living. 
And I literally can't say anything else about Cloud9 Living because I've said everything there is to say over and over again because they are such a great, great company. It's such a great sponsor to us. If you're looking for a new, different, extreme, or maybe not as extreme type excursion, maybe something that's out of the ordinary, something you could never thought of, go to Cloud9 Living. They have over 2,000 different excursions, 2,000 different experiences, 2,000 different things you can do, and some of them you probably have never thought of. I've talked often about my wife doing her race car driving while myself and my daughter went to a museum because she likes fast cars and I don't. That's something we were able to do through Cloud9 Living. They have packages like those all over the world, hot air balloons, golf excursions, underwater sea stuff, really, really dangerous things where things may bite you. You can do that or you can just have dinner. They have good places for dinner as well. Check out their website via our link, and you get an extra special discount when you buy your gift certificates there. They'll give an extra 10% off your price of your gift certificate. And, of course, remember, those gift certificates, the prices, the numbers, the dollars, they never lose value. This is theconversation.com slash cloud9, the number 9. This is theconversation.com slash cloud9, and check them out. They have so many things that you've probably never even thought about. You'll find your newest, best, coolest thing you'll ever want to do on that site, and you'll probably never have thought, literally never thought about it before. Check it out. Go to our website and help them out so they can help us out. We love them at Cloud9 Living. To show how much we appreciate all the folks who contribute to help do the work for us, because you literally are doing our work for us, we do shout-outs. We give love to people on Facebook and Twitter who give extra love. You know, they like, love, share things, and are willing to have their names put there publicly, more or less, in the notifications for the website. So let's start with a Facebook love this week. A few names of some people who popped up this week. They include Shelley Moore, Daniel Williams, uh, Ruth Ann Miller, Peter Thiel, Vicki Young, also love from Little Mama Isra Breadwinner. Thank you. Is a breadwinner. I have to say that one right. Also, Tony Brown and uh, Trey Sutton popping in this week. For the Twitter love, folks on Twitter who gave us some extra responses, some of those names include the Irrational Exuberant Podcast, Florida Man Bot, picking up on some Florida Man stories we had. We had a lot of Florida Man stories that didn't quite make the cut this week. Jonelle Martin, Richard Berryman, Juan, just Juan, Would You Blather podcast, and also Yifat Cohen. Thank you guys for joining in with us and responding to all the things we posted without throughout the last eight days or so. Now we're going to the story we are calling, we always call the Almost Irrelevant Story of the Week, and it's because it's at the very bottom, and it's almost irrelevant. It's usually a story that's not actually that bad, just it comes up very late in the postings, very late in the process so that we go from, from Friday to Friday. So something posted late Thursday, early Friday at the tail end doesn't get as much time to get as much love. And it sometimes they turn to be the stories that are more important than we think. And if there's they're timed out well enough, on late early Friday, I should say, sometimes they make their way to be inside the top 10 based on how things work out. Sometimes it may pop up just as we cut something off. It doesn't go very far. This one wasn't quite a cutoff one, but it was something posted early Friday as we record this, releasing on Friday afternoon to Saturday. We go to Law and Crime again, uh, with the uh, Dan Abrams publication that we said. And this story was, well, we don't give much relevance to where it goes and much, much weight to it. But we do tell you exactly where it was with respect to the top story. As we already said, this story was 2,385% less responsive than the top story. Or the top story was that more responsive. I always screw that one up when I say that. Here's your headline posted on Friday, September 27th. Baggage Delta baggage handler arrested at home after stealing $300,000 and calling out sick. A few lines from this one. And, of course, this also will be listed in complete totality, the full link at the website for this week's podcast. This is Conversation.com, podcast week ending September 28, 2019. A baggage handler for Delta Airlines on Thursday was arrested on allegations that he stole $300,000 from a bag at John F. Kennedy Airport in, in New York. Quincy Thorpe, 40, was arrested by agents from the Federal Bureau of Investigation at his Brooklyn home, according to 
ABC News report. According to an anonymous law enforcement agent that spoke to New York Post, the $300,000 in cash Thorpe allegedly swiped had been brought to the airport in an armored car early that day and was scheduled to be loaded onto a flight headed for Miami Thursday morning. The money was initially loaded onto the flight in eight bags, but one of them went missing sometime before takeoff. Thorpe turned himself in to a prime suspect by calling in sick sometime after officials realized the money had gone missing, according to the Post source, which who also confirmed that authorities have not yet recovered the money Thorpe allegedly stole. Deeper into the story, as you said, go to the link inside the website for This is a Conversation, and you can see more details on this thief. Not exactly stupid thief, but pretty obvious thief. He did make it pretty obvious that to call in sick right after the, they figured out the money was gone, which, as the story said, pretty much making him a big, a big suspect of not being there when something was gone. We'll see if they recover the money and how many years Mr. Thorpe gets for this not-so-great crime. Coming up next, uh, we'll wrap this thing up. We'll tell you about stories 11 through 15, stories not quite in range to be the best, but still pretty important anyway. On the wrap-up show from thisisconversation.com, I'm Jay Cleveland Payne presenting this thing for the week ending September 28th, 2019. I began podcasting over a decade ago and got out of it for various reasons and then got back into it for various reasons. And one of the people who helped me get things back on track very quickly was a man named Dave Jackson. And he did it by not even knowing me, by providing things on various podcasts and various sources he has. One of those sources is the podcast we're going to promote today, which is Ask the Podcast Coach. This is a podcast that's hosted by him and his friend Jim Collison. And what they do for about an hour, hour and a half even with them live, is answer questions about podcasting and other things that are related to podcasting. Sometimes you find out some things are more related to podcasting than others. If you are a podcaster, you kind of know that. One of the really interesting things about Ask the Podcast Coaches is that they are podcast coaches and they also deal with podcast issues. So you sometimes see them in real time dealing with issues and dealing with technology and trying new things and seeing how things work out for all of our benefit. And they're great, friendly guys, too. You can pop into them and pop in, talk to them live via various ways, including popping up in the video with them in various times. As I said, they tested various technologies that works to some chagrin and others to no chagrin, but it's a very interesting, very fun show, and uh, once you get to be a part of the community of sorts, because it turns, it gets a bit clubby after a while, you'll get the chance to figure out all the inside jokes and all the fun that they're all having, but if you're just looking for some quick podcasting advice, that's there as well, because that's what it's all about. It is Jim Collison helping out Dave Jackson, who offers up help every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. Eastern, live at askthepodcastcoach.com. You can click on links to find them on on various streaming sites and on YouTube and wherever. But the best way to find them is just go to their website, askthepodcastcoach.com, and if you don't want to watch them live or can't catch them live, subscribe to the podcast, and you get the first hour's worth for free. And then if you are actually a patron for Dave Jackson, you get a chance to get the the last half hour, the special parts, where to go deep into some things with the group inside. Or you can watch it all live and check it out there. But check them out every single Saturday, except for you know big time occasions. They're there for you live with Ask the Podcast Coach at AskThePodcastCoach.com. Saturdays, 10.30 a.m., as I said. They are our Spotlight Podcast for the week. Thank you so much, Dave and Jim, for doing what you're doing for us. And these are guys I actually support personally on patreon so if you ever wonder where your dollars go for things like this my dollars go to help out other podcasters who help me out these two specifically they have a podcast you should check out called ask the podcast coach Final segment for this week's podcast. We thank you so much for joining us for the whole shebang. And of course, going through us with the growing pains we're having as we are doing some shifting to things in the actual podcast, moving things around, adding, subtracting, 
refining and getting a bit better in the pithiness. We're getting this thing down to a more manageable timeline so we can do some other things with it. So thank you so much for going with that. And thank you so much for all the suggestions and all the great feedback and even some of the bad feedback. If you want to send more feedback on how things sound, whether you are a veteran and you don't like the way something moved or you are a new person and you don't like the way something moved, email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. Right now, we're going to go ahead and round out the top 15, round out the top 15, yes. Going through 11 through 15, stories not quite in range for the top 10, so not the most important stories you said for this week, but much more important than the almost relevant story. And, of course, the infamous story 16, the tease, which we're not going to go back to at all. Story 11 gets a posting, was posted, I should say, on Wednesday, September 25th, and the headline is, Kick is shutting down its messaging app to focus on SEC cryptology fight. We're going to go quickly into this story. So if you want to go deeper into the actual meat of it, check it out. Like I said, the links to all these stories are at our website for this week's podcast. So you can find them there. But this is one that's a little off catching to a lot of people. Kick, K-I-K, is a messaging app. It's one of the many messaging apps that nobody, unless you're a millennial looking to get away from your parents, really knows about. And they did a large leap into cryptocurrency recently. And now they're being investigated for that large leap in the cryptocurrency. So they're putting their money where their money is in cryptocurrency. And they're getting rid of the messaging app aspect and going to focus on cryptocurrency because they've got a battle with the SEC battle to make sure that they can uh, keep on keeping on in the money business. And so since they say there's more money in the money, they're getting out of the messaging business, whether they will completely get rid of this, um, this renew this thing with someplace else. Not quite sure, but you can go into the store and read the details for here and then you follow it along if you're one of those people who follows those types of stories. The story at the number 12 this week has a headline of this, American Airlines emergency landing after passenger smokes joint, and this was posted on Saturday, the 21st of September. So we got this from TMZ because this is a TMZ style story, and here's a few lines from what happened at least per TMZ. An Air American Airlines jet made an unscheduled landing Friday after a passenger lit up a joint and got super aggro, as an aggressive. We're told the plane was going from Phoenix to Minneapolis, but an hour into the flight, the pilot went on the intercom and said they had to make an emergency landing in Denver because, quote, a security issue in the back. The passengers were a little freaked out trying to figure out what was going on, the buzz in the cabin was that someone in the back said he was telling someone around him he was on cocaine. That's when the guy with dreads in the video ran to the back of the plane into the bathroom and locked the door. Here's an update to things that went on. Denver police tells TMZ that the man in the video was not arrested and did not end up being booked for any charges as a result of the disturbance. He was merely treated at a hospital. Uh... It got really crazy because the guy was essentially smoking for, he said, medical reasons. As we said, this, you can't light up on the plane, and that became a big issue. Go deeper into the story if you like to by going to the website and seeing more on that as well. At number 13, this is a story that's actually very serious, and we covered it a lot last year when the fires were going on. The headline from updates on what's going on, PG&E may cut power to 124,000 in North California on fire fears. Bloomberg's a source of the story. Monday, September 23rd is the date we actually posted it. And I'll read a few lines from, from here. PG&E Corp., the California utility giant that filed for bankruptcy protection in January facing crippling wildfire liabilities, is cutting power to about 27,000 customers in Northern California to keep electrical equipment from sparking a blaze amid dry and windy weather. The power shut off across three counties started Monday afternoon, the San Francisco-based company said in a statement. Earlier, PG&E said the outage could impact as many as 128,000 customers in nine counties, which would have made the company's largest preemptive power shutoff to date. PG&E and other California utilities have been taking more aggressive measures to keep equipment from sparking blazes after failures. Fallen power lines ignited a series of catastrophic blazes across the state in 2017 and 2018. One of PG&E's lines started a deadliest fire in California history in 2018, forcing the company to file Chapter 11. More details on all the stories, as we said, 
are at the website, so go deeper into these. As you see, we don't give as much context into this one, definitely not as many in the stats. These are stories that were more or less kind of cool, and some of them kind of important, but bounced out by just timing, and sometimes a more important story, a more impactful story, sometimes just a more silly and crazy story that people jump onto, jumps in at the last minute. At number 14, the headline is school bus driver in Washington arrested after fifth grader calls 911 to say she's drunk. We got the story from NBC News. It was posted on Saturday, September 21st. So this one lasted quite a bit as well, but not quite enough to make it to the finish line. This is one where if you've seen the reports and heard the call, you would you, you, you wonder about the people, both the kids and the kids are going to be fairly OK and the adults who apparently aren't as okay. The young man got off the school bus, and he actually tried to get another friend to get off at his stop, but the school bus driver wouldn't let this friend off because it was not his stop, and basically called 911 and and just went off on the the school bus driver, who was drunk, uh, just because of erratic behavior, going crazy, driving around, just, just silliness, and he got called, or the bus driver got called, and reprimanded for the issue. Go deeper into the story and did the stories. This is something that, that picked up a lot of steam quickly. And as I said, if you were able to see the story and hear the 911 call, the young man who gave the call was, you know, pretty pretty matter of fact. Did it just straight up. He wasn't emotional. He wasn't trying to be mean. He wasn't mad at the bus driver. But the bus driver actually was drunk. So congratulations for stepping up for that one. That young man hopefully will have a great career ahead in whatever he's doing. And hopefully the bus driver gets a little bit of help. And finally, wrapping up the show this week with this story at 15. This is a very sad one. Florida man with Down syndrome dies in hot car after caregiver takes drug, falls asleep. This one also from NBC News. This one posted also September the 21st on Saturday. Let me read you some lines from this one, and um, I hate to send it away like this, but this is a story that was really troubling when I saw it, and um, must have been just as troubling to you because you brought it up close enough, but not quite top 10 material. A man with Down syndrome who police said was nonverbal and had the cognitive ability of a one-year-old died in a hot van while his caregiver slept in the driver's seat after taking drugs, authorities in Florida said. Joshua D. Russell was arrested Friday and charged with one count of aggregated manslaughter in connection to the death of 35-year-old John LaPointe. LaPointe, a resident of Crossroads and Pontius Group Home, was found in the backseat of a van on May 9th after he was left in a vehicle without air conditioning for several hours as Russell napped in the front. Quote, let's just call it what it is. The poor guy baked in the car. I'm sure he had to suffer. It had to be absolutely horrific in the car for that man. This coming from Pinius County Sheriff Bob Gulati. He said at a news conference that happened after the event. Authorities determined the temperature inside the vehicle that day had climbed to about 125 degrees. Gulatari said he is not sure why the heat did not affect Russell in the same way it did LaPointe. Authorities were alerted to the death just after 5.30 p.m. on May 9th when the agency received a call about a man unresponsive in a vehicle in Seminole, about 25 miles from Tampa. The deputies arrived. Russell had fled, and LaPointe had been pronounced dead. So go deeper into the story. There's actually more. It gets even more disturbing. Russell, the guy who is charged with the death, tried to kill himself once he was escaped and figured out what was going on. He was unsuccessful, and now he's going to face the actual charges for the crime. Uh, this is a very, very somber, sad story to end things on, but this is how it goes. As we say every week, story selection is not done by me per se. It's actually, I guess it is because I put the stories into the feeds, but the story section for the actual podcast, what we actually talk about and what we put out in our newsletter on Monday through Thursday is set by you. The most responsive stories for Monday is for the weekends and for the rest of the week it's throughout the day comes from what you respond to. And it's very simple. You just follow us on Facebook at This Is Conversation. Follow us on Twitter at TH underscore conversation. And make sure as you check your other things in your feeds, look what, look what we have going on. And if you like a story, if you hate a story, if you think a story is weird, if something just it seems like you should be engaging with it, 
Don't fight that feeling. Engage with the story. The more engagement the story gets, the higher score it gets for the end of the week. And if it's really, really great, it becomes a top 10 story of the week. We talk about it here. If it's not quite as great. Maybe it's, a, it's 11 through 15. If it's just a late story, sometimes it pops up at the almost relevant spot. We go through these stories every single week, and you get a chance to conversate about them even closer by just emailing the show at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. We can talk about anything you want to regarding this thing or just anything you want to. If you email me, well, I'll have a conversation with you. Trust me. I'll talk to just about anybody via an email. It's simply just email us at theconversationinbox at gmail.com. If you want to uh, check me out directly, just simply email jclevenpayne at gmail.com. My main website with this pretty much not very well updated is jclevenpayne.net. And you can find out what other projects and other things going on. Make sure you check out our sponsors because we are powered by you. We put a spotlight on this week's sponsor being Cloud9 Living. If you want to just, just give us money directly, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash this is a conversation or this is a conversation slash dot com slash patreon either way and of course we want you to check out our spotlight podcast of the week which is ask the podcast coach.com and get your podcast questions answered for free and check out what they have going on there as well this thing not only is powered by you but it's powered by the fact that you spread the word about the podcast we need more people having more great conversations you guys are great in conversations but we need more people so we know we're having the best conversations with people around the world. So I ask you every week to share the podcast with other folks. First, make sure you're subscribed. And second, just go to friends, go to enemies, go to random people on the streets and grab their phones and subscribe to the podcast and hand it back to them. So they are a part of this great thing we call this conversation. They will thank you for it. They always thank you for it. So at least subscribe to at least three people a day. Grab the phones, do it. We need you to do that. That is awesome. Now, this is the part where I say thank you three times and try to end the show. It never goes quite as well as I believe, but here we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The show cannot do this without you guys listening, without you guys responding, without you guys being a part of the whole conversation. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. That makes six times. We'll see you next week with another great show where we'll go through this top ten stories from ten to one that you told me are the stories that the most important, most conversational the biggest stories to talk about, not just what got stuck in breaking news. On The Wrap-Up Show from ThisIsAConversation.com and The Conversation Project, we'll see you next week.